0: I'm having a great time. If y'all not having any fun, forget about it. Don't worry about it. Our brother Shabazz is having so much fun. I'm having a great time, enjoying the city, enjoying your lovely uh, hospitality. I want to express my appreciation to brother Florence and to sister Florence. They took sister Shabazz and I out yesterday and I ate like I have never eaten in my life. And it took me a minute to figure out that brother Florence was laughing at me. Because he knew I was full, and he kept saying, Shabazz, do you want something else? Do you want something else? And I looked out of my peripheral vision, and I caught him laughing at me. But I want to thank him for his uh, tremendous hospitality, for the hospitality of this congregation. And Sister Florence, is always good to be in, in your presence, and we thank you. And, and I just enjoyed fellowshipping with your daughter. I might take her back home with me. Yeah, yeah. sister said, please do, in the name of Jesus. Well, we just had a wonderful time. I want to take just one moment to say to those of you that are visiting with the Harvey Church of Christ that we're very honored to have you tonight. We're mindful that there are many other places that you could have elected to be tonight, but you decided to come and to grace this audience with your presence. We don't take that lightly. And we want to express our gratitude to you for gracing this audience and giving us this opportunity tonight to study the gospel of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Do I hear an amen? Amen. Grab your Bible, stand on your feet. Everybody grab a Bible, stand on your feet, if you can stand up. If you can't stand up, don't worry about it, no problem at all. You can do what I'm about to do right from your seat. I want you to grab a Bible. You ought to have a Bible. You ought to have a smart device with a Bible app on it, or you ought to have a paper edition uh, of a dependable translation of the gospel of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Everybody raise your Bible real high, and I want you to shout, at the top of your lungs. This is the word of God. In it I put my faith. And my trust. And my, trust. And my, hope. And my hope. And my confidence. And, my confidence. And, I believe. and I believe. If the holy bible. The holy bible is, faithfully read, is faithfully read. And believe. believe. And, obey. and obey. It can lead me, me. From earth the glory. glory. Now somebody shout amen, amen. and amen, amen. and amen. amen. Please have your seats. I want you to come with me tonight to the Apostle Paul's didactic epistle to the church at Corinth. First Corinthians chapter 15 I'm going to commence reading it, verse 1 and I'll terminate about verse 5. And Then tonight I'm going to offer you part 2. In this multi-part series of lessons, and we are operating under the climatic theme that all the world might see him. All the world might see him. I'm here this week proclaiming the gospel so that all the world might see him. To facilitate tonight's lesson, I want you to come with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and if you'll meet me at verse 1, I'm going to terminate a few verses shortly thereafter and then I'll give you a road map for our lesson on tonight. 1 Corinthians 15:1. if you found it, smile at me and say, I found it, preacher. Found it. Some of y'all said I found it, but you didn't smile. <laughs> smile at me and say, I found it, preacher. Found it. Amen. This is how it reads. and Is it okay for me to stand over here, Brother Florence? Is, yes, is it okay? okay? Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye have received and wherein ye stand, by which also ye are saved if ye keep in memory what I have preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. For I have delivered unto you first of all that which I received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures, and that he was seen of Cephas, then of the twelve. After that, he was seen of above 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain unto this present, but some have fallen asleep. After that, he was seen of James, then of all the apostles, and last of all, he was seen of me also as one born out of due time. Is that in your Bible? I read for your observation from 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Commencing verse 1 and I terminated about verse 8. And tonight, anticlimactic to the general theme that all the world might see him, I want to use for a subject, the gospel in Corinth. The gospel in Corinth. Smile at me and say the gospel in Corinth. The gospel in Corinth. Please be seated. Brother Miles, honored to see you tonight. My good friend, God bless. God bless. I feel like the Apostle Paul, I'm, I'm pressed in the spirit now. Praise God. Somebody shout the gospel in Corinth. <laughs> give me just a moment and let me give you a little bit of historical background on the book of 1 Corinthians. And then what I want to do tonight, ladies and gentlemen, is I want to show you the very catalyst and the core and the heartbeat of what, leads you and I to eternal salvation. Now listen, I don't know about you ladies and gentlemen, but I've looked at this grand old book called The Holy Bible and I've come to the definitive and emphatic conclusion that there's got to be something more To life than just working Monday through Friday for the man, partying all night Saturday, sick and hungover on Sunday, and working Monday through Friday for the man, and coming home and uh, partying all night Saturday, and sick and hungover on Sunday. And before you know it, you know you got one foot in the grave and the other on a banana peel. You got bunions on your feet from dancing all night long. Your lungs are black from from being in the clubs, partying and, and inhaling all of that smoke. And then you get to a point where your liver about to turn colors because you've been out there partying and drinking. There's got to be something more to life than the mundane that we see as we cross uh, this planet earth. And I came to the conclusion that there is more, that salvation is not out there in the world, but salvation is in Christ. I want to show you the catalyst, the core and the heart of what leads to salvation. I want to give you a definitional perspective of the gospel. I mean, it's one thing for me to speak of the gospel, but I want to give you a definitional perspective of the gospel so that when we talk about the gospel, you definitively and emphatically know what that man is talking about. But above all things, ladies and gentlemen, I wanna show you the practicality in all of this. How that for more than 2,000 years, there have been human beings who have been wrestling and struggling and battling and fighting to stop being who they are and mold and shape themselves into whom it is God wants them to be. I'm telling you that Christianity, that the notion of Christology, that the notion of Christendom, that the the, the notion of practicing spirituality is really a very basic and fundamental thing to grasp and to understand. Y'all with me? Smile and say amen. Amen. So y'all give me a moment. I'm an old school preacher and I'll be where you need me to be in just a moment. Y'all all right? In the latter part of the first century, out on the uh, commercial trade route of uh, Corinth, there was a place that stretched out six miles long and about four miles wide. It was an infamous called the city of Corinth. From a geographical perspective, it had the Aegean Sea at its east bank and the Ionian Sea at its west bank and the inner coastal waters were comprised of the Gulf of Corinth and because of the coastal waters around it and the geographical location of the city, it made Corinth a perfect port of entrance to get into Roman proconsular Asia. As a result of its geographical location, People would come from all over the world just to be able to party in the city of Corinth. Right. Let me tell you something, there was not a sin, there was not a degradation, there was not an evil, there was not a wrong that you could not find in the city of Corinth. It was a cosmopolitan city and sailors used to come there to party and, and merchants used to come there to buy and to sell and to trade in the city of Corinth. All oh, havoc. Corinth was some kind of place. I'm telling you that there was not an evil, not a sin, not a degradation, not a evil, not a transgression that you could not find in the city of Corinth. The Acropolis was there, right. down there in the city of Corinth. Corinth had, was a place that was noted for uh, pagan religions and idolatry and we are told that at some of the pagan temples in Corinth on any given day, a particularly uh, the temple of Aphrodite you could find those who were standing outside the temple uh, selling their bodies out of reverence and and homage and obeisance to pagan goddesses. Oh Corinth was some kind of a city. The sailors would party all night long and spend their months pay and they had theater there in the city of Corinth. I'm telling you, it's just like about every major seaport city in the United States of America. For some reason, when there's a seaport and there's a major city, it all equals sin. But you know what? Corinth was filled with converts who had been converted out of the world and had come into the church of Christ. And there's no need in us turning our our, our ears, uh, our nose up tonight Corinth really was no different than you and I today. If we sit up straight tonight, tell the truth and shame the devil many of us from the day that we got baptized for the remission of sins we've been in the kingdom trying to shake off who we used to be and we're trying to embrace the God of heaven and whom it is God wants us to be. Every one of us tonight has a past. Everybody tonight has something that they have been grappling and fighting and wrestling and battling with and we've been immersed in water for the remission of sins and come out of the world and come into the church and we're trying to stop being that old rascal that we used to be we're trying to walk right and talk right and yeah. sing right and pray right and live right and act right we're trying to be somebody that God wants us to be and stop being that rascal though y'all ain't gonna help me here tonight the fact of the matter is everybody in here tonight battling and fighting and struggling with something that has been a part of their life from the time that they were born and came into the world but now Now you are in Christ Jesus and all you're trying to do is stop being who you used to be and become whom it is God wants me to be. Corinth wasn't any different. Corinth was no different at all. And let me tell you something, if there was a problem in the city, they probably saw the problem in the congregation. I wish I had all of Chicago in this building tonight So that I can tell everybody in Chicago land Not because of Shabba saying it But because it's just flat foot few True I wish everybody who's in the church of Christ in Chicago Were here tonight So that I can tell you that no matter where you go There's no such thing as a perfect congregation Of the Lord Jesus Christ I don't care what congregation you go to You're never going to find a perfect preacher You're never going to find a perfect eldership You're never going to find a perfect membership You're never going to find the perfect deaconship Because all of us are a bunch of round-eyed Slope, shoulder, two-legged Put our pants on one leg at a time Men and women And the fact of the matter is You might think that you got it together And you might think that you've achieved so much In the mighty name of Jesus You might think that you have progressed So far spiritually But the fact of the matter is All of us have a mighty long way to go And I don't care where you are You're not going to ever find a perfect church And if you're perfect Christian looking for a perfect church when you get there with your perfect self you will be the one that perfectly messes it up. Hey Amen. We, we want to fall out and clown and fight and about a bunch of nothing all the time and the fact of the matter is brother none of us are perfect. Amen. You might as well be, go somewhere, plant your roots, and become like a tree planted by the rivers of water. Yes, <laughs> and stop singing a few verses of I shall not be moved. Yes. Amen. Amen. You're not going to find anything perfect. It does not exist. And Corinth did not uh, achieve perfection. They were a church filled with problems. I said they were a church filled with problems. You named the problem and they had it. And a lot of the problems that they had was because of the mindset and the mentality. See, listen to me, Harvey. It's dangerous when you bring that worldly thinking in the church. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Now you want to tear up something? Bring carnality into the church and try to mix it up with spirituality. Come on, now. Perfect song, brother. What you got is a mess. Because carnality is enmity against God. Amen. If God were happy with us being carnal, he'd never, he'd never ask us to be spiritual. My, my, my. Y'all say amen when you can. My, my, my. had all that congregation had all kind of problems, man. I'm so glad I wasn't a minister in Corinth. Corinth had all kind of problem. All you got to do is open your Bible and read it. It's right there in your faith. First Corinthians chapter one, there was a the problem of division. Chapter two, they were elevating the wisdom of man over the wisdom of God. Chapter three, uh, they were being more carnal than they were being spiritual. Chapter four, they could not understand the doctrine of Christian stewardship. Chapter five, there was a boy in the congregation having a sexual illicit relationship with his stepmama, and all the elders and everybody else in the congregation knew about it, but nobody was was godly enough to say anything about it. First Corinthians chapter 6, brother was going to law with brother over silly, trivial matters that brethren should have been able to sit down and work out among themselves. First Corinthians chapter 7 and verse number 26 is the pivot of that uh, entire book. Chapter 7 and verse 1. Paul said, Now concerning the things whereof you wrote unto me. And then he started talking about the marital duress. And I know a lot of y'all try to run to first Corinthians chapter 7 to get an answer to the mess that you not created. I'm just not I'm not sure that there's a whole lot in First Corinthians chapter seven because you ain't got the same present distress that they had back there in that day and time. And until you get that distress, I'm not sure anything in that chapter is gonna help you a whole lot. And all the church said, "Amen." Amen. Chapter eight, brother was stumbling because other brethren were going down into the shambles buying meat that had been offered in sacrifice on the idols. Idols. First Corinthians chapter nine, they challenged the apostleship. They challenge the authority of the very man that baptized them. I want y'all to listen to me. Brother Shabazz don't mean no harm, but I've been around the church for a little while, and I'm going to tell you how you can tell when people playing games with you. When they decide that they can't control somebody, then they try to change how other people look at them. That's what they do. If they can't control them, then what they try to do is change your mind about how you look at them. And when they saw they couldn't control Paul, they started saying Paul was just an apostle for sexual favors. He was just an apostle to, to steal money from the church. When people I'm talking about your friends I'm talking about even your kin folk I'm talking about church folk. I'm talking about godly folk. I'm talking about poking them. I'm talking about everybody when people see they cannot control you, they will seek to try to change how other people view you. So they, cha- they challenged Paul's authority and, and his apostleship, and it broke Paul's heart uh, that they challenged him. Everybody ain't in the church. Let me tell you, number one, if you're in the church, if you're in the leadership of ch- in the church, the leadership of the church for some money, you chose the wrong one when you chose the come church on, to cry. I'm gonna say it again. If you in the ch- if you in leadership. For money, you chose the wrong one. When you chose the church of Christ. Amen. Especially preachers, if you come into the you preachers come into the church to make money. Y'all in the wrong place. Every chapter there's a challenge. And then we come to chapter fifteen. There was a problem with their understanding the resurrection. The fact that one day all mortal mankind will get up from the dust of the grave. Doesn't matter about your theological convictions. You know, I live in a city of intellectuals. Everybody in New York wants to be an aristocrat. Everybody wants to be an intellectual and be highly intelligent. I don't say nothing. I just kind of say to them, I think some of them are cornbread aristocrats. Some folk folk call them wannabe. Everybody wants to be an intellectual. But But I want to tell you something. The fact of the matter is there is no wisdom higher than the wisdom of God. Amen. 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 they didn't understand the resurrection and listen to me ladies and gentlemen I don't care what your framework of thinking is what your specific paradigm is and by paradigm I mean what you value as right and wrong and true and false I don't know what homeostasis You have created around your life what environment and atmosphere and that kind of thing that you have made yourself feel comfortable in. I want you to know that the resurrection is something you can do nothing about. You can't stop it. You can't ignore it away. You cannot explain it away. Because the resurrection has been sanctioned and ordained by Jehovah God. And so before Paul can really get them to understand the resurrection, he's got to first help them understand the gospel. Now, many people in Chicago are not saved tonight. And they are not saved because they do not understand the gospel. All I want to do is show you the heartbeat the core, the catalyst, the center of that which leads to salvation. And it is nothing more than the fundamentals of the gospel. Now, what Paul does is, before I can discuss this resurrection thing, I'm going to go back and rehearse with you some important facts about the gospel. Now, if you're worried about the resurrection, there's no need of you being worried about the resurrection if you haven't straightened out in your mind about the gospel. Yeah, yeah. There's no need of you talking about a relationship with God. Well, I've had a relationship with God for you. That don't mean nothing what you had with God if it's not about your preliminary obedience to the gospel. So Somebody said, well, I've been going to church. Since I was 12 years old, I'm not talking about where you've been going. I'm not talking about that. I haven't gotten there yet about where you're going. That's another sermon. I'm not talking about where, what I'm talking about is the basics, and that is the gospel. And one thing I do know, no man or woman is smart enough to do what they don't know. You ain't that smart to do what you don't know. So Paul says, I'm going to get to the resurrection. I'm gonna explain this resurrection. And Paul said, I I got some questions for you about your position on the resurrection. I, I might not have time, but tonight, I might show you 16 questions, 16 questions that Paul logically and methodically raises about the resurrection. But before you get to the resurrection, You've got to understand the gospel. Amen. All right. Somebody smile at me and say the gospel. the gospel. I couldn't hear you, Harvey. Somebody smile and say the gospel. The gospel. Get your pen. Get your pen. Get your pen. Get your, pen. Get your ink pen. Get your ink pen. Get your pencil. Get your highlighter. Bite your finger. Draw blood. Get your something. Because you need to write this in, in your Bible. You need to write this in your Bible. The first thing that has to happen in your life, in my life, is someone must declare the gospel. That's the first thing that must happen in my life, in your life, at some point, somebody has got to declare to you the gospel. You can't do what you don't know. So somebody has to tell you. Someone has to declare the gospel and the way you declare the gospel is to preach I know some folk have problems with preachers but you see the problem you got is you can't change God's plan because God chose to save men by the foolishness of preaching preaching might not be in your plan but it was in God's plan and in order For someone to declare the gospel, you need a gospel preacher. And what makes him a gospel preacher is that a gospel preacher declares the gospel. If he don't declare the gospel, he's some other kind of preacher and not a gospel preacher. Because a gospel preacher, oh Shabazz, you better preach, declares the gospel. So what is declared? Paul said, uh, moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel. Yeah. Well, well, Paul, how did you declare it? Which I preached unto you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, preachers, preach. Yes, sir. Don't care what men say, preach. Yes, sir. I don't care what men say, I'm going to preach. People say, why well, you got to preach? Because God told me to preach. I'm going to Preach. Until until the second coming of Jesus or until my head press a dying pillow. I'm going to preach the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. I'm going to preach Jesus of Nazareth. I'm going to preach that glorious gospel. I'm going to preach and I'm going to preach and I'm going to preach because the gospel has to be preached. We don't need to entertain, folks. That's why we got so many members in the kingdom right now with raggedy lies because they entertained and they ain't been preached to. Yes, That's good. That's good. We want to run in the church and get a nip and a sip and give a $2 tip and bust out the back door. Uh-huh. <laughs> man, he preached too long. Uh-huh. Hey, Amen. You don't, don't take all that. Mm-hmm. We don't need to be in the church no two and three hours. Look, man, I'm going to be here as long as it, t- as as it takes me to preach. And if you want to know what I'm going to be preaching, I'm going to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Watch this. The first thing I want you to see is that uh, the gospel was preached. It was preached. The second thing that happens when the gospel is preached is you have to receive it. Now, a lot of folk here preached, but they don't receive it. I didn't say you didn't hear it. You've heard it many times. But did you receive it? Because I can't talk to you about the power of the resurrection until we first find out what the gospel declared. And did you receive it? Because if you didn't receive it, ain't no need to be talking to you about it's theological doctrine. Ain't no need to be talking to you about what's going to happen in the end time. You ain't ready to talk about the end time until you talk about the before time. And the before time has much to do with the declaration of the gospel. And when you hear the gospel, you have to receive it. In other words, you've got to believe it. You have to accept this. Many of you sitting here tonight, you've heard the gospel over and over and over and over again, but you haven't received it. Well, how you know, preacher? you all up in my business. You're trying to tell me I heard it. you trying to tell me I didn't receive it. You know how I know you didn't receive it? Because you didn't do nothing about it. (laughs) That's how I know you didn't receive it. And I'm going to tell you how God knows when you received it. God knows when you receive it when you make a decision to obey it. Because your obedience is a manifestation of the fact that you received it. Do I hear an amen here? And so what I want you to see here is that after the gospel was preached, they received it. Now see, when you hear it and you receive it, then you gotta stand in it. In other words, you have to get in it and stay in it. Now what do you mean I have to stand in it? Then you gotta live like a Christian. You got to think like a Christian. You got to act like a Christian. You got to talk like a Christian. You got to be obedient and complicit and compliant and submissive and penitent like a Christian because those actions manifest or make known the fact that you have Are standing in it and the reason why you are standing in the gospel is because you have received the gospel and the reason why you have received the gospel is because it was delivered unto you and it was delivered by preaching and it was delivered by preaching and you decided to receive it then you make up your mind you're gonna stand in it now there are a lot of folk that receive it that don't stand in it help me Lord there are a whole lot of folk I'm talking about good God-fearing, Bible-believing, church-going folk. Uh, they don't stand in the gospel. Amen. They don't stand in the teaching of the gospel. What they stand in is what they think. And how they feel. And what they believe. And what they see. And what they think. Y'all say amen when you can. But that's, none of that's in this record. Ain't none of that in here. None of that is in here. Uh, Paul said, let me tell you something. Before I talk to you about this more of a brethren, now look, I declared on you the gospel, which I preached to you. You received it. And when you stand, now watch this now. I'm almost finished. I'm almost finished. If you hear the gospel, preached, receive it and stand in it, verse 2, you're saved by it. You're saved by it. The gospel can save you, folks. The gospel can save you. And what I need and what you need is to be saved. I know you think you need a good job. You need a good job. But your good job ain't gonna do you nothing unless you, if you're not saved. Well, I'm looking for a good woman, I'm looking for a good man. I'm not trying to tell you don't look for a good woman look for a good man. Look for a good woman. Look for a good man. But when you find a good man and a good woman, it ain't gonna help you if you're not saved. Amen. Well, you know, I, I want two boys, two girls. I hope God gives you the desires of your heart. But, but, but having two boys and two girls, you're not going to be saved. That's not going to help you be saved. And a matter of fact, you need to be saved so you can help that two girls and two boys be saved. Huh? Amen. So you can see the delineation of the process. Now, he ain't got to the, to the resurrection yet. He don't want to talk about the resurrection. What he want to talk about is the gospel. Listen to me, Harvey. We are forgetting about the gospel. Come on. Come on. We're forgetting about it. Somebody start singing a song, we jump up and holler down, house start screaming and waving our arms. Amen. 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 Having a good hallelujah time. Amen. Somebody start preaching the gospel, we start nodding out. And, and look, I ain't, look, 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 man, I don't have a problem with people having a good time. On, on, I, you know what I tell folk in Harlem? I don't mind you having a good time in the Lord as long as it's decent and orderly and it doesn't violate you know, anything that the Bible teaches. But above and beyond that, you know, uh, if you're going to be happy about Jesus, at least have enough decency to know what you're happy about. You <laughs> See, I contend that the Church of Christ is a spiritual institution of indoctrination and learning. I come to teach. I'm glad you feel good. God bless you for feeling good. Yes. But feeling good ain't what I need from you. What I need from you is to get some information in your head. Yes. Do I hear an amen here? Yes. So what you got to do, what you got to do is you got to have that gospel declared. And when you hear that gospel declared, it's declared because it's preached. And then you got to receive it and then you got to stand in it because, it, will keep, it, it because it's what saves you. Now, now, here come the next step. It was what I call uh, the next step. Here's the next step. Uh, by which also you are saved if yes, sir. you keep in memory what I preached to you. Yes, sir. Now, he's talking to folk once they get in a saved state. Mm. He's talking to church members. Amen. Because once you get in here, you got to keep living like you in here. You gotta continue in what you've been taught. Somebody say, well, I already know that. I already know that. I done heard that. Yeah. yeah, but you, baby, listen to me, I love, did I tell y'all I love you? But you ain't living it. Look how you treat one another Walking around the church, I'm talking nasty to one another. Some of you been in the church for years, still cuss like a sailor. No, don't y'all pull that on me. I've heard some of y'all cuss in the church house. Let's keep it real. As the young folks say, let's keep it 100. Man, I've had some situations in my years of being a Christian where there were times when the devil got in me and I thought people in the world treated me better than folk in the church. Got the nerve to call himself a Christian. Sometimes I feel like I can, I can expect more from gangsters and hoodlums than I can those that are in the body of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. So it was preached. It was received. See, no behavior changes Without receiving information. Now, I don't care how accurate you think your information is. If people don't receive it and decide to stand in it, then it's not going to change or save them. Do I hear an amen here? But Paul hadn't even gotten to the resurrection. He ain't gotten to the resurrection because he wanted to go back and tell, what are y'all doing? You you allowed all of this heathenistic, paganistic mentality and thinking from your culture infiltrate its way into your behavior and your thinking. And listen, I need to go back and remind y'all of what I taught you when I came there. And this is the thing that's going to save you if you keep in memory. That tells me that when you learn learn what's right, brothers and sisters, ladies and gentlemen, you have to keep it in your mind. You have to keep it in your memory. And if you don't keep it in your memory, then it does not change your behavior. Do I hear an amen here? We had a We had a young lady uh, who had a court case in New York recently, I'm not gonna call her name, and, and uh, she asked me to write a character reference and I wrote a character reference. And, sent it to her attorney and and she requested that I be on the witness list. And her attorney voiced some concern (coughs) and he said, well, I don't know if it's gonna be good for him to be on the, uh, the witness list because you're saying he's a Christian, but he has a Muslim name. So I don't wanna cause any confusion in the minds of the jurors. See, this shows you how small and close-minded and uninformed minds in our culture can be. First of all, America doesn't own God. America has a privilege to be in covenant with God. But in our Western culture, we think we own everything, yes. including God. You're right. You're right. But I want to tell you something. It, 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 it just bothers me. Because if I tell it like it is in the record, uh, the first Christians were Parthens and Medes and Elamites and dwellers in Mesopotamia and Judea and Cappadocia and Pontus and Asia and Cretes and Arabians and Arabians and Arabians. And Arabians. On on and their names will not Bill, Tom, Sally, Sue, Fred, Tom, Peter. I mean, how ignorant can we be? The fact of the matter is the gospel is to the world. And not just to one culture of people. Y'all be all right in a minute. So before he gets to the, he hadn't gotten to the resurrection. He hadn't gotten to the resurrection. He hadn't even gotten to the resurrection. He goes back and reminds them. Let me tell you something. Let me set the record straight. First of all, I delivered unto you what I was taught. How that Christ died for our sins according to what? According to what? According to what? I need y'all to say that because I'm going somewhere here. According to what? What scripture? According to what scriptures? Because the fact of the matter is, they didn't have a Bible like you and I have. What what, what scriptures? According to what scriptures? Well, that tells me that the death, burial, and resurrection of Messiah was prophesied in the Old Testament. And if you were here tonight, or last night, or if you were here yesterday, you will remember my lesson. Now, some of y'all looked at me strange, but what I preached yesterday was the gospel according to Isaiah. We think that there's only four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, but there's a prophetic gospel. The gospel according to Isaiah. We'll get to that tomorrow night. I'll come back to it tomorrow night. But what I want you to see is simply this. When the Bible says according to the scriptures, it's referring to scriptures that were revealed before what we call New Testament times. When when, when Paul said to Timothy, from a child thou hast known the Holy Scriptures, he was talking about scripture that had been revealed before what we call the New Testament. Amen, amen. You know, one thing I'm convinced about. There's a lot I haven't figured out. But I believe that the Old Testament is the New Testament concealed. Amen. And that the New Testament is that Old Testament amen. revealed. And if you want to understand the new, you got to familiarize yourself with the old. Yes, sir. Do I hear an amen here? Yeah. Yes, all right, let me finish this up because I promise you all I was going to get you out of here in a timely fashion. Here's what you need to know. You need to know that the gospel was declared and it was declared by preaching. And when the declared gospel by preaching is preached, it must be received. And after it is received, you must stand in it because you are saved by it if you keep in memory that which was preached unto you. And then Paul authenticates his report. I delivered unto you that which I receive, Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, he was buried according to the scriptures, and that uh, he rose from the grave. Now I want to tell you that he engages those arguments verses one through 11 as a preparation to give a esteological defense of a thing called the resurrection, and in verse 12, he gives his first argument about the resurrection, and in 13, he gives his second argument. In verse 14, he gives his third argument. In verse 15, he gives his fourth argument. In in verse 16, he gives his fifth argument. And in verse 17, he gives his sixth argument. And in verse 18, he gives really his seventh argument. And in verse 19, he gives his eighth argument. And in verse 20, he gives his ninth argument. And y'all following me? All the ways th- I have counted 17 consecutive arguments that he makes in defense of the resurrection. But the fact of the matter is, it goes back to the good news. Of the gospel. Of Jesus Christ. Yes, sir. I hear an amen. Amen. amen? Brothers and sisters I was brought up in a house. Where we weren't allowed to say the name Jesus. When I was a child. I was not allow- we were not allowed. To say the name Jesus. I saw my father. Physically smack. My mother's sister. To the floor. Because she had the audacity. To say the name Jesus in his house. And we were brought up under rather strict teaching from the holy Quran. And uh, I understood uh, Islam both theologically and culturally. And and, you know, don't judge me. Don't look down your nose at me, because I wasn't any different than any of us. You whatever your people are. You ain't paying no rent. (laughs) You ain't paying no mortgage. Whatever your mom and your daddy is, that's what you are. On, Since this man come around, he said, What religion are you? Baptist. What about your kid? They, I said Baptist. Yes, sir. And the daddy made it clear, you can be anything you want to be when you get out of here. Right. Yeah. And when I became old enough, I began studying myself. Uh-huh. And I studied my way out of Islam. Mm-hmm. And I studied my way into becoming a New Testament Christian. And I am set for the defense of the gospel. And I'm here to tell you that if you don't hear it preached and believe it and receive it and stand in it, you will not be saved by it. It's a plain, simple series of fundamental facts. I'm not even talking about the church yet. I'm not even talking about the church. I'm talking about the gospel. I'm talking about the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news, the foundation facts is built upon the death, the burial, and the resurrection. I understand everything about what the church adds you to. I'm clear about that. I understand. Ain't nobody trying to duck that. This is why we jacked up right now. Because we want to go to giving answers before we really understand people's questions. I ain't ready to answer that question. What I want you to see is Jesus. Because if you take Jesus out of this equation, you have no gospel. And if you have no gospel, you don't need the church. Do I hear an amen? One more thing and I'm done. Did I tell y'all I love you? Come here, Harvey, let me whisper something in your ear. Sometimes we're so busy being church mm-hmm. Amen. that we forget to be kingdom. Mm-hmm. We're so busy trying to be good church of Christ people <laughs> <coughs> that we forget the church is a kingdom. Mm-hmm. Jesus is our king. The scriptures is his law. Heaven and earth is his territory. And we are his subjects on earth. And this monster, this bizarre monster that we're creating and calling it the church. Is often foreign to the scriptures. You don't want me to take some time tonight and tell you about the church in the Bible, because oftentimes the church in the Bible so different from how we behave. <coughs> y'all, all right. I'm sorry. Did I tell y'all I love you? I, I want you to know I love you. But I believe that our success is with staying with the scriptures is that all right amen amen. now i don't have a, a lot of time tonight for other intellectual conversations this is not my first time uh being here and i'd be more than happy to have these intellectual discussions about you know the authenticity of canonized scripture and you know, what books of the Bible really belong in the Bible, and why do we not have uh, some, of the, uh, some of the apocryphal books? Why, have, why are they not accepted, and why are, they, why are they not inculcated into the 66 books that we think are canon? And, you know, I've, 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 I've heard all that, that, that. That's another conversation, and I, I'm not scared of that conversation. Mm-hmm. I understand inspiration, revelation, illumination, canonization, historic preservation. You know, I understand all those, all, all those teachings. But I'm going to tell you something, I put my faith in the revelation of God. And I do not believe that the word of God cannot be accurately interpreted. Some folk can't interpret it because they have an ignorant hermeneutic. Everybody has a hermeneutic, whether you know to call it that or not. That's the methodology that you use by which you interpret the scriptures or get understanding out of the scriptures. And I've had people say to me, well, you can make the Bible say anything. Yeah, you can with somebody else, not with me. (laughs) I'm not saying I'm smarter than anybody at all. I'm just saying I know better. I know better. And you're going to have to give me an acceptable hermeneutic and explain your hermeneutic, your methodology by which you interpret scriptures so that we can determine that it is rightly divided. Mm-hmm. Die and amen here amen here. Now, I, I gotta quit, but I'm, I'm gonna throw this at you because I saw some air, eyebrows raised. Number one, I'm a student of what is called ethereal intent. I don't wanna know what you got out of it. God could care less what you get out of it. Right. I'm a student of ethereal intent. In other words, I wanna know what was the intent of the writer at the time he wrote it, yes, sir. and not what Shabazz got out of it. Number two, in order to achieve a thorough intent, I'm going to apply the circle of context. And when I say the circle of context, I'm talking about not just the immediate, remote, and ultimate context, the a verse, the verses around it, and the ultimate verses, but I'm also talking about historical context. I'm also talking about cultural context. I'm also talking about linguistic context. That is context that is based upon language because the Bible is a book of words and the words comprise language. Are y'all following me? I'm going to apply the circle of context. I'm going to look at canonical context. I'm going to look at a number of different contextual considerations so that I can understand the truth of God. Somebody said, Well, I can't do all that. Yeah, but you sit up all night watching Game of Thrones. Help us, God. Help us. You sit up all night long watching Game of Thrones. And I did too. But but I'm I'm going to study. I'm going to study. Do I hear an amen here? So I came tonight to tell you that the gospel came to Corinth. And Paul wanted them to understand the facts of the gospel before they could understand the facts about resurrection. And what you need to understand in your life is the facts of the gospel. And I want to encourage you to hear the word of God. Romans 10 and verse 17. Faith comes by hearing. Hearing by the word of God. Believe what you hear. Hebrews 11 and verse 6. But without faith it is impossible to please him. He that cometh to God must believe that he is, that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And then when you hear the gospel and believe it, change. Repent of your sins. Somebody say, well, it's hard. Well, baby, it's hard for all of us. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Amen. But if you fall down, get up and try it again. Yeah. And if you fall down, get up, try it again. Yeah. Keep on working at it. Nothing ventured, nothing gained. Amen. Repent Amen. of your sins. Confess your, with your mouth what you believe in your heart, that Jesus is the Son of God. Romans 10, 9 and 10. Confession to be made before other men. Matthew 10, 32 and 33. And then we will baptize you. I, I, I got to take a night and talk about If I'm going to talk about the gospel, I got to talk about baptism. But but, but, you know, the thing that bothered me yesterday, we had a house full of visitors, and I know that many of them was going, whoo, wow, yeah, he finally got, so I've been baptized. Whoo, I can go home, I'm all right. Glory, hallelujah, I've been baptized. But a lot of folk who got wet did not necessarily get baptized. Because everybody that gets wet, it's not getting wet the Bible way. Do I hear they man here? They're Amen. So maybe tomorrow night, if God bless me to be here tomorrow night, what 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 I'm gonna do is I'm gonna talk about the etymology. That's the history, the origin, the beginning, and the use of the word baptizu, which is translated our English word baptism, and and, and and tell you what Bible baptism looks like. Is is that all right? I, tell you what, but I remember when I was 12 years old, first time I, I, I came across baptism, and, and, and I was enthusiastic about it. I was enthusiastic, and, and, uh, and uh, the, the, the preacher took me in the office, and he said, you're 12 years old, and it's time for you to get baptized. And I said, oh, you ain't met my daddy. <laughs> my daddy going to rip the roof off the house if I come home <laughs> talking about I got baptized. And by the way, my mother might be watching. Mama, how you doing? Uh, um, ma- Mama wasn't Muslim. Mama, Mama never converted to Islam. Mama didn't know exactly what was right back then, but she knew Jesus Christ was the Son of God. She knew that. And so we went everywhere when we was little kids. You, you know, we went, we went to every, some of every kind of church when we were kids. And my and, and mom said, I'm going to tell, tell you something else either. I ain't throwing my straightening comb away, neither. I remember she told my daddy that. Straightening your hair out, trying to look like them white folk. Mama said, you can say what you want to say. I ain't throwing my straightening home away. <laughs> you know what? Not that I'm adult, I ain't mad at her either. <laughs> and by the way, I baptized my grandma, my mama. I baptized my mama. <laughs> amen. Amen. So you got to hear the word, believe it, repent of your sins confess Christ and then be baptized you go down into the liquid water and I'm going to explain this tomorrow night if God bless me to come back, what happens in that water I'm going to show you what happened down in that that water and you say well I I didn't see nothing in that water you're right on point because God never asked you to see nothing and I'm not going to teach you about what you need to see I'm going to teach you about what happens while you're down in that water and then what happens when you come up out of that water. Is that all right? Yeah. The greatest thing you can do is decide tonight to be baptized. Amen. To obey the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, I'm going to quit, but, 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 but I'm, I'm going to tell y'all something. Did I tell y'all I love you? I believe Jesus Christ is the Messiah. You want to debate back and forth about that tonight? Let's go. Hmm. I'm good. Yes, sir. You, want to, you, have some, you want to have some back and forth, you know? Uh, you know, you've you been out there on Google. <laughs> 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 you got all this information to tell me about this white man's religion? <sighs> been there, done that. Yes, sir. Come on with it. But, here's what I want to say to you. If I can prove you wrong, I want to know, will you be baptized? Amen. 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 Brush your on me, no disrespect. I preach for a congregation that's a big surge of growing millennials mm-hmm. in New York City. Uh, guys about his age, but this, this, but he, he goes to Columbia University, mm-hmm. but he don't come to Harlem. <laughs> he passed Harlem and he go to Brooklyn. That's all right. I'm going to spray some water on him tonight. Before <laughs> That's all. Right. We, we forgive him. No, the church he goes to is a great church, and you keep going there. You keep going there. And uh, the preacher there is one of my best friends. Mm-hmm. A- amen. But uh, we're going to talk about why you pass hard. We'll talk about that later. we we'll talk about that later. On. Uh, I have learned. I don't mean to disrespect. I'm not trying to disrespect nobody. I've learned that millennials are masters at amassing information. You're just very poor about processing it. They're masters. Let me tell you something. I have to be careful in Harlem, and Brother Florence does too, when we are preaching. Cause see, I'm up preaching, and y'all Googling what I'm saying. Oh. What you don't know is that everything you read on the internet ain't true. And some of the sources are not credible. That's right. That's right. But I'm very careful about what I say when I'm preaching because I'm s- preaching to a generation while I'm talking to yeah. Yeah. <laughs> They're masters at collecting and amassing information. But they're very poor at how to process it. Uh-huh. I, did I tell y'all I love you? And and, and mother, can I tell you something? I I just want to help you understand something. See, younger people are smarter. But older people know more. (laughs) Huh? Y'all didn't hear what I said. Let me tell you what I said, mother, so you understand. See, younger people are smarter but older people know more. Amen. And the reason why you know more is because the information you receive, you know how to process it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it don't do you no good to be smarter if you can't process what you got. That's right. That's right. Amen? Amen. Amen. I gotta quit. I, I gotta quit. You know what we did at Harlem? One Sunday, I put a table in front of the church. I had two people from what's called the builder's generation to sit at that table. The builder's generation were people who were born about 1929. and, and, And they come out of right around the time of the Great Depression. You have to understand the mindset of builders. Builders, because they came from the hard times of the Depression, they don't believe in credit. They believe if you can't pay cash for it, you don't need to have it. Amen. They don't believe in buying houses that's bigger than what they need. They believe on staying on one job for 30 years, and I don't care if mama got to sleep upstairs and daddy have to sleep in the basement, they ain't getting no divorce. Y'all ain't saying nothing there.. Mess with me. I know a whole lot of builder families with a husband living in the basement and the wife living up upstairs. Amen. Then I set somebody at the table, a male and a female from uh, the baby boomers. See, baby boomers, we, we, we were the first. Uh, Buster Brown shoes, Pamper diapers. Y'all ain't saying nothing. See, we were the first of mass media. Right. Yeah. We were the first back then. then there's male and female. And, and, and then I set somebody, a male and female, at the table from uh, uh, the millennial generation, the me generation. So millennials often think, I mean, they think it's all about them. It's all about me. That's why they call them me Amen. Then, not, and not everybody fit these categories. I'm, t- I'm talking about generally speaking. So anyway, I put all of the, and then the, the generation not yet named. Oh no, don't laugh. Google it. No, I'm serious. Somebody Google it. The generation not yet named. That means there's not enough data and information out there to know what they are. The generation. Not yet named. There's not enough information on her generation yet to know what manner of person she is. I set them all at the table. Y'all all all right? I'm going to be through in a minute. Y'all all all right? And then I ask them a question. What do you think about homosexuality and lesbianism? Builders' generation gave their answers. Boomers. Millennials. On down the line. All of them had different answers. And the boomers thought, or rather, the builders thought the boomers was crazy. And the boomers thought the millennials was crazy. And the millennials going, y'all out to lunch. Right. Now, I did all that in order to say this. When you get baptized and come into this church, this brother is not the minister of the millennials. He is not the minister of the builders. He is not the minister of the boomers, he's everybody's minister. And Harvey is a transgenerational membership, which means all these age groups think differently. And I don't care what the leadership put in front of you, it's gonna be some different thinking. Because the membership is transgenerational. Do I hear an amen here? But what we all got in common is Jesus. Because we've heard the gospel, believed it, repented of our sins, confessed Christ, and been baptized for the remission of sins. Let me hear you say amen. Amen. Now here's what I'm fixing to do. I'm going to stand right here and wait for you. There's a man here tonight. There's a woman here tonight. There's a young man. There's a young lady that's reached the age of accountability that has heard the word, you have uh, heard the gospel preached, you've received it, you're ready to stand in it, and you know that what you've got to do is obey it. And I'm going to ask you to hear it, believe it, repent of your sins, confess Christ, be baptized, be added to the church of Christ, and work out your soul's salvation. If you're here and you need the special prayers of the church, can I pray for you? Because let me tell you something. Listen to me, Christians. The devil after you. See, I ain't worried about that drunkard and that homemonger. He got them sitting on his trophy case waiting on the day of judgment. He wants you. And if he can tear down your faith and cause you to fall, that's what he would do. That's my lesson tonight. That's my lesson tonight. I hope I said something that'll help somebody tonight understand the core of the gospel. And Paul made it clear when the gospel went.